0: This is Desi. Welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So today we are going to just kind of finish up my story from where I left off. Where I left off was I had just gotten out of treatment and, you know, just was trying to figure out who I was and everything. I'm going to just start by saying that I got out of treatment and I was still pretty mentally not healthy. You know, I kind of was just super confused. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was supposed to go back to school. I was, it was the summer before my senior year and, you know, like I said, I came home and my mom and I just were still not getting along. We fought all the time. It just, I just was not comfortable really anywhere. So my grandma and grandpa actually asked me to go with them to New Mexico. My grandma and grandpa are divorced, but they're really good friends and my great grandpa was dying. Um, he was you know was old of age and was getting ready to pass away and my aunt just kind of needed help and wanted you know people to kind of go out there and help her out to kind of give her a break. So my grandma and grandpa decided to go out there and see him and kind of see what we could do. Um, I had actually been a CNA on and off since I was 16. When I would get released to day treatment, that's when I was taking classes and I became a CNA. So when I, my grandpa was dying, they thought it would be a good idea for me to kind of go out there and help take care of him. So, you know, I went out there and, you know, we did take care of him and and stuff, but my cousins, they used to smoke a lot of weed and it kind of just became a thing. You know, we would take care of my grandpa and at night we would smoke and get really high and then, you know, just kind of hang out and do whatever. It had been probably about, about 10 days My grandma and grandpa decided to come back home, and I, you know, thought it was a good idea to stay there. I just, you know, like I said, didn't really want to come back home. I didn't want to go to school. I just kind of wanted to figure out what I was going to do. I decided to stay there for a little while longer. A couple days after my grandma and grandpa left, my great-grandpa finally passed away. You know, we had been up for days with him, just taking care of him. You know, when people are really sick at the end, it's just nonstop. So I really had not had much sleep. Then one of my cousins had told me about a boy who lived a couple doors down. Well, he lived in Albuquerque, but he would come down where, you know, they lived every, you know, every weekend or something. I remember when it was the day my grandpa, the morning my grandpa passed away. She was like, let's go over there. Let's go visit him. And, you know, I bet you he has weed and let's go smoke a bowl and whatever. So I remember walking in and seeing him. And I honestly, it wasn't like, oh, love at first sight or anything. But it definitely was like, oh, he's a cute guy. But I had been up for days, like I said. My mind wasn't kind of really in the right place. So I honestly didn't really think much of it. We did go and we smoked and we just kind of hung out for a while. And then that evening... My two cousins that were my age decided to go out that night. Well, everybody was like graduating from, it was almost exactly this month, 12 years ago when this all happened. Um, It was in 2007 is when we met. So everybody had been, was about to graduate, having graduation parties. So my cousins decided they wanted to go out with their boyfriends or, you know, whoever they were going to go party with. I honestly didn't know anybody. So I just had no desire to do that. So, that night, I remember my husband came over, and my aunt was like, oh, I need you to fix the light. He's an electrician. So, you know, before everybody came into town, she wanted, like, for the funeral and stuff, she wanted him to fix the light, and, you know, I don't know if I feel like it was a setup, but I'm not sure, but she had him come over, and I remember he came over, you know, we kind of talked, small talk, like, I honestly didn't think about it much, but my, I realized my aunt and his mom... you know, who are really good friends, were, like, in the kitchen kind of laughing and looking at us funny. So I kind of put two and two together and realized what they were doing, and again, I kind of just laughed it off, and I was just like, you guys are ridiculous. Like, I'm not even looking to date anybody. Um, I had actually kind of had a boyfriend on and off since, I don't know, our entire childhood, I feel like. Um, We started, he was, like, my first boyfriend in fourth grade, and so we kind of dated on and off for years, And before I left, we had kind of been talking again. So I honestly just wasn't really sure or knew if I wanted anything. So he actually was, you know, talking to me and he just comes over and he's like, hey, I'm going to a graduation party tonight. Do you want to go with me? And I remember I was just like, sure, you know, I might as well get out of the house. Like I've been stuck in here for days. Like I'll go. A couple hours later, he picked me up. We went to the graduation party and I don't really remember too much of details, and the stuff that did happen, I'm actually going to have my husband come on here in, like, the next few episodes, and I kind of want to go in the detail of what happened that night, so I'll kind of just leave that part out. After we hung out for a couple days, my family finally came for the funeral. My grandpa, who, you know, he was, he's like a father figure to me, so he's always kind of made those fatherly decisions for me, and he was like, you're coming home, you're not staying here. You know, and I was devastated. You know, I just met my husband. I was loving New Mexico. I was partying all the time. Like, it just did not... it, It was really nice because it just kind of took me out of the real world. And, you know, where they live is literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like two hours away from Albuquerque and just like any big city. So even though I'm a city girl and now I kind of hate that lifestyle, at the time, it was just really refreshing. And it was really nice to kind of just be away from everything. Um I had friends that were kind of asking me where I had been, like they knew I had been in and out of treatment but weren't really sure of the details. And I had actually been um asked to not come back on the dance team. It's not that they didn't want me on there, but I just couldn't commit to it because I was back and forth to treatment. And so that was kind of devastating to me. So I honestly just had no desire to go back to school. So I came home with my grandparents and I remember like, bawling the whole way home. My mom actually was with us, too, because she came down for the funeral, so we all drove back together, and I remember I was, like, devastated the whole drive, like, my, my, my grandpa describes it, he said I was, like, crying the whole way, which I don't remember it being that dramatic, but who knows, <laughs> so we came back home, and my husband and I, you know, just talked, like, all the time, every day, text message was kind of a thing, but it was more like, phone calls back then, like, text message wasn't as big as it is now, So we would talk on the phone all the time, and a couple weeks went by, and I just, you know, I just decided I was done. Like, I was about to turn 18, I really just thought about all the pros and cons of staying in Utah, and the cons way outweighed the pros. So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, what's my purpose to stay here? I'm, you know, miserable here, I'm triggered here, my family and I aren't getting along, like, I'm just going to go back to New Mexico. I remember I brought it up to my mom, and I remember she just looked at me, and I don't remember details of what she said, except for, you know, I can't really stop you because you're almost 18. I think she knew it was kind of what I needed, because I wasn't in a place to go back to school. What ended up happening, actually, was I called Nick the night that I talked to my mom, and I was like, hey, you know, I want to move to New Mexico, my cousin said I could live with her. But I don't really have a way to get there. Like, I don't have money for a plane ticket or anything. So I'm trying to figure it out, and I'll figure it out soon. And when I do, I'll let you know. I just remember he didn't hesitate. And he was just like, well, what if I came and picked you up? You know, honestly, I was like, wait, what? He's like, I'll drive down there, me, my brother, and my cousin. Maybe we can come down there, and I'll pick you up, and we'll just move you here. I think it was not much longer. It was like maybe a week. And that happened. He drove down here. I remember when he he came over to my grandma's house and we had a family barbecue going on. Well, I did not tell Nick that's what was happening. I just told him he was going to meet my parents cuz I didn't know. I don't I just I guess I just didn't want to scare him away. He walked in the gate of the, my grandma's backyard and everybody. Like, mind you, my great grandma was there. My grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my siblings, my siblings, excuse me. Just so many people were there and if you know my husband, he is just super shy at first. He about died. He just remember he just, his face just like went pale and he was like, oh shit, like what am I going to do, you know? And he turned around and left the freaking barbecue. No lie, he just got in his car and left. I'm like panicking, thinking like my family scared him away, like, you know, not sure what was happening. I called him and he finally, you know, answered and was like, I'm coming back. I'm dropping off my brother and my cousin at the hotel. They had gotten a hotel for the night and I will come back he had went back to the hotel, like showered, got ready, um, switched his clothes because he had been wearing a Raiders hat. So right away, my family like, you know, freaked out. Oh my gosh, he's a Raiders fan. Because my whole family, like my dad, he was raised in San Francisco. So we're all 49ers fans. We always grew up 49er fans. So it was honestly just like Battle of the Bay and I think that scared him because they all kind of just freaked out when they saw his Raiders gear. So he finally came back, you know, met everybody. I don't remember details except for I just remember it went really well. And the next day we left and drove back to New Mexico. When I got to New Mexico, my cousin had said I could stay with her, but she was kind of back and forth with a boyfriend. And I just, I don't know, I guess I just wasn't really comfortable with like living with them she was about to like move in with him and everybody was kind of trying to get used to my great grandpa not being around so everybody was just kind of trying to figure things out so when I got there Nick and I had talked and he was just like hey you know you can stay with my with me and my roommate you know you can stay here until you find a job and find a place to live we have an extra room whatever obviously I didn't use the extra room we ended up just sharing a room and it kind of just really hit off from there it went from super like one night, hang out to all of a sudden, we were just like living together, and it really happened super fast. Um I was t- seventeen, and he's five years older than me. So that was a, a really big difference also, but at the same time, I loved it because he had had a job. He was about to graduate college, he had like one more year left, and he just had his shit together, which for me, that was super refreshing. So yeah, so we lived together, lived in New Mexico. But I will say, I hated New Mexico. Um, I didn't see my family as often as I would have loved to. I think, like I said, after my great-grandpa died, everybody was kind of just trying to figure out where they were going to live, what they were going to do. My aunt had been taking care of my grandpa, like, for years. And so she was trying to figure out where she was going to live and what to do and if she was going to move to New Me- uh, Albuquerque and just things like that. So, you know, I just stayed home honestly you know nick had a job where he was like i said he was an electrician but they traveled a lot so there would be times where literally for days i would sit at our apartment i didn't have a job i didn't have a license at the time cuz i was supposed to get my license when i was in rehab but never did so here i am 17 no job no license living in new mexico just honestly trying to figure out who the hell i was let's just say it was rough i don't think i've been that depressed I mean, I struggle with depression, but that was a, the hardest, one of the hardest years I ever dealt with my mental health. I was so depressed. I would literally, Nick would be gone and I would just smoke weed, eat and sit in front of the TV like all day. It was so depressing. I didn't know anybody. I have one friend and she was Nick's best friend's girlfriend. And sometimes she would come over on her breaks during school because she was a college student and we would smoke, and then she would leave, and I would just be high hanging out of the apartment. So, yeah, that honestly happened, like, the whole entire year. Um, While I was there, I saw some pretty messed up stuff. Uh, You know, we had neighbors that would constantly fight. Mind you, this is, like, in Albuquerque, like, in a ghetto part of Albuquerque, not the nice part. Unfortunately, you know, my husband hadn't really been starting his career yet. He was barely, like I said, almost finishing school, so financially like we weren't very secure or anything yet so we had an apartment and it was a two-bedroom apartment one was ours and the other room was his roommate's and his roommate had a pretty big heavy drinking problem and it didn't really bother me because he didn't bother me like he's you know super cool and so it never was an issue except for he'd be home for a couple days and just like binge and then he'd be gone and like leave this huge mess and so it was rough I never lived with like guys by themselves before, I mean, I had had my brothers, but my mom always cleaned up after them, so I never really, like, saw how disgusting men were until I lived with them, um, I remember one time coming, them coming home from work and literally, like, dying because I had vacuumed and swept and mopped and, like, cleaned the apartment as best as I could, and they didn't even know what to do, They were, you know, I did do things, like, clean and cook as much as I could, but... I mean, like I said, they weren't there all the time. So the days that they weren't there was just me. Nick and I eventually went to the Humane Society and got me a puppy. She was a boxer and her name was Honey. And she was a boxer mix and she was the best dog. And she was like just kind of my safety. When Nick was at work, I felt super safe with her. We had these neighbors that continuously had domestic fights. Police were called all the time on them. One time when... Nick, I think Nick was home or his roommate was home. I was in the living room watching TV and it was like middle of the night because I, you know, did not sleep back then very much. All of a sudden, I hear screaming. I went out into the hallway and this guy is literally beating the shit out of his wife in the hallway. I'm panicking, you know, this is like already super triggering for me because of the abuse that I was watching and I don't know. it was really hard and I just remember kind of like freaking out and I went and woke up. My husband's roommate. I think, I think Nick was home too. So I think they both got up and went out to try to help her, and she literally like screamed at them to go back in the in the apartment and like leave her alone, which completely blew my mind. But you know whatever. So those type of things happened regularly. I would go to the gas station. I'd walk to the gas station when Nick was at work because again I didn't have a license to get a, bo- a box of cigarettes. I smoked every day, several times a day when I lived in New Mexico. Yeah, it was just kind of something I did. I'd smoke weed, smoke cigarettes, smoke weed, smoke... Like, it was just such a bad habit. On top of it, um, I remember drinking Crown Royal. It was, like, no big deal. Like, now I can't even smell the stuff. I would just drink it, no problem. You know, when Nick and I had first met, I went to his family reunion, which I know, super bad, first impression, and drank an entire fifth of tequila by myself, Patron, and got alcohol poisoning, In the middle of the campsite and about died so yeah it was really intense so this just was like kind of what happened that whole year I would drink smoke get high see messed up stuff and it just was so unhealthy you know during all this Nick had been doing some stuff which again I'm gonna have I want him to kind of explain that whole part of what he was doing because I think it's super important especially for people that are involved in drugs So I will have him explain more details of that. But for now, I'm just going to say, you know, he was doing some things that I had never seen before. I didn't know how to deal with like addiction like that. And I don't know if he was necessarily addicted. It was just super unhealthy. You know, I have alcoholics in my family, but I've never really seen anybody do hardcore drugs. So this was completely new for me. So, you know, finally, like we had a rough year. We would, he'd come into town and we would get in fights. And for the most part, we were, we got along well. But when we did get in fights, especially because of the drug problem, it was bad. I mean, I remember packing my bag one day and almost like hopping on a bus and leaving. And that day, you know, he promised that he'd never touch it again. And he never did. I mean, it was just a rough, rough year. But it, here's the thing. I would have flashbacks in the middle of the night and thank God, Nick was just super amazing and helped me through him. You know, I had told him what happened to me and again, I'll kind of tell you guys that whole reaction of what he said and did and everything after I told him when I have the episode with him on, but after I told him, you know, he was super supportive the best way he could be, but I would have these like flashbacks or like waking up with traumatic nightmares, like bawling hyperventilating, and I just remember calling my mom and crying, or I actually called my best friend a couple of times too, and just like not sure what to do, how to react, and I was by myself, like all I wanted was my mom. So living in New Mexico away from my family, honestly, is miserable, and as much as I hated it, it was the best decision I ever made because I grew so much from it. I became way more independent, you know, not having my mom around all the time to kind of fix like my problems. I had to figure out how to cook. I had to figure out how to, you know, clean by myself, like laundry by myself, do all the stuff that I didn't know how to do that I took advantage of from my mom, you know, things like that, that I just never thought about. And so finally Nick was graduating from college. Literally the day he graduated, I just said, you know, I sat him down. It was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm done. I need to go back home. I hope you come with me. But if not, I understand. But I just can't stay here anymore. He said, okay. We just literally packed up our car. We had a little Galant, silver Galant, and we put what we could fit in the car. I don't even think we have, like, we sold our couches. We sold everything. We literally fit what we could in our four door like little tiny car. Yeah, we came here and luckily my mom's basement had been empty because her um, tenant that she had had recently moved out. So luckily we were able to move in there. We slowly like for a long time, we literally just laid on a mattress. I don't remember us having a TV for a while. I think maybe a family member gave us one. took us a while to get a couch. Like We just literally built from scratch, from nothing. You know, my husband's amazing. He's an amazing worker, and people always want him to work for them. And he walked onto the job site and just said, hey, I just graduated, and I'm looking for a job. And they hired him right there on the spot. And I'm pretty sure he started, like, that evening or the the next day. You know, during all this, like, I was happy to be back with my mom, but I was still so mentally sick like my depression was so bad. My anxiety was so bad. Um, I was on antidepressants. I mean, I was on, I can't even remember all the medications I was on when I got out of rehab, but the whole year I I lived in Albuquerque, I was on Zoloft Seroquel, 800 milligrams of Seroquel, which I don't know if anybody knows anything about that, but that is like an insane amount. I've Work, I work in the mental health industry, and I have never seen anybody have that high of a dose. So, I don't know how I functioned, to be honest. Um, I was on clonidine and lithium. You know, the lithium, they had thought I was bipolar. I think it was because of my disassociation disorder. They thought I was bipolar and had me on lithium. I was just on stuff that I didn't really need to be on. And it, I just remember it being just, like, completely messing me up. I, was, I gained so much weight from, like, the time I met Nick to the year later when we moved to Utah, I literally probably gained like, I'm not kidding, like 50 pounds. Like it was ridiculous. I mean, I also smoked weed all day, so but that probably didn't help. But I also think it had a lot to do with my medication because I was just super depressed still and taking things I just didn't need. Right after we moved back to Utah, I kind of just had an epiphany. I don't know exactly. I just remember kind of praying and being like, I don't know what to do right now my medications are messed up. I'm so depressed, but I don't want to lose Nick. And I, that was kind of I think my fear. Like I always was terrified I was never going to find anybody because of my my abuse and I was so damaged and so messed up on the inside and like mentally. You know, I had scars from cutting. I had a really bad eating disorder. Like, just so many things. And I was like, he's going to eventually figure this out and he's going to be done. You know, he knew about everything, just not the extent of everything. I don't think he realized how bad my eating disorder was until later on, which I'll tell you guys about in a different episode. You know, I just decided one day my prescription ended. We didn't have very much money and my prescriptions were all empty. And I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not taking anything else. I'm done okay guys I literally stopped taking all of those medications I just told you cold turkey do not do that I will tell you that right now never take yourself off of your medications cold turkey that was a super bad decision I just remember having freak outs like I couldn't even control it so yeah it just was not a very smart decision I was just like so sick It was just super bad. Like I said, I remember just like freaking out, throwing things, seriously not having control of my own thoughts. And, you know, eventually it passed at the time. Honestly, I did not know that was why I did not know, like just stopping your medicine cold turkey was not okay. So, you know, I was just thinking, I just was freaking out. I didn't realize the issue. And then finally it all kind of got out of my system after probably like a month or so. And I started, you know, being a lot calmer and just kind of figuring myself out. I still was so depressed. I would just remember going in and out of depression. Like mental health is such a huge thing. And when you've had trauma like I've had, it never goes away. It's gotten to the point where I can control it now, but it doesn't go away. You know, I moved back to Utah and like it took me a while to kind of figure out what I was doing what I was going to do with my life. I mean, I stayed at home for probably like another year. I babysat and did things like that to make money. I did some like temp jobs, stuff like that. But I just could not commit to like a full-time job. Luckily, you know, Nickname made enough money. It was okay. But it still was just like, it was just so hard to have that commitment of needing to be up and going every day because I never knew when I was not going to be okay. After all this time has had gone by, we started deciding that we wanted to get pregnant. We ended up getting engaged is actually just came up on my timeline today on Facebook. We got engaged exactly 10 years ago today, which is May 17th, 2000. And uh, let me think, I think it was 2008 or 2009. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, so you know. We decided we wanted to get married and have kids and do that whole thing. Also, I forgot to mention when we were in New Mexico, I actually did get pregnant and had my first miscarriage in New Mexico. So when that happened, I think that definitely triggered more of my depression. You know, I never, I was always told by doctors that like it was highly unlikely that I was going to be able to conceive. I have like a lot of scar tissue and a lot of damage in my insides that, I just, it's a miracle that I have the kids that I have. Again, I kind of want to go into my whole pregnancy and, you know, I had a really crazy delivery with my daughter and I'll go into that more later, but I'll, you know, kind of just give you guys a little bit of information now. It took us, we had six miscarriages and an ectopic pregnancy. And I actually explained my ectopic pregnancy, I think the last episode, we mom episode that we had, but six miscarriages when you have mental health problems already literally killed me. Like I can't tell you how many times I was just done. And if I had a gun, I would have put it to my head. Like I was so depressed. If I can't give him this, if I can't give him family, he, you know, what am I, what am I good for? Like, I know that sounds super messed up, but honestly, that was my mindset at the time. So yeah, like just miscarriages and all this stuff happened during that time. And we just have had so many things happen to us during our 12 year relationship, which is bad luck. And, you know, I got um, right before we got married, I went into diabetic ketoacidosis, which, you know, I'm type one diabetic, if you don't know that. And basically my entire organs were shutting down within a span of 10 days. I was in the ICU and literally my parents and my fiance at the time were told that I was going to die. They had no idea what was wrong with me. Um, Come to find out, I had salmonella in my bloodstream, which don't ask me how that happened. But it basically gave me a blood infection, which caused my diabetes to go completely out of whack. So, yeah, I just, my health has just always been, like, my super weak point. I'm just not a healthy person, and, and I have all these other, like, medical issues on top of mental health. It was just, I can't even explain it. Like I said, I just felt completely broken from the inside out. My... Eating disorder for years was, you know, on and off. But when Nick and I got engaged, it went full effect and literally did not hold down one thing. I would binge and purge, just purge. Like it was insane. And that's when I lost a total of 63 pounds. But here's the thing everybody was praising me for the weight loss and telling me, oh my gosh, keep it up. I can't believe how amazing you look. This and that. So when you have an eating disorder and people are complimenting you on the result of your eating disorder, not a good combo because it does nothing to help us think, Oh, I should probably slow down. I should probably get healthy again. No, if anything, it just makes us like want to amp it up more. You know, I, this time I have been told by my doctors that I have a hole in my esophagus. Um, I have a really scratchy voice anyway, but since, you know, my eating been had been really bad and I was diagnosed with the hole in my throat. Like you can tell my voice. It's just, I get super tired really quickly. So, you know, like I said, getting married, I was so happy to get married. But at the same time, I was terrified because I was in full, like full force eating disorder. And at the same time, I was so young. I had been with Nick since I was 17. Part of it scared me, but the other part of it, I knew I needed to do it because he saved my life. Like if I wouldn't have met Nick and we wouldn't have went through the things we went through and I wouldn't have had him by my side during all of those nights when I wake up and phone calls and, you know, him telling me he loves me and just really loving me for who I am, whether I was overweight or underweight, he always loved me and never questioned me with any of that. I knew I wanted to marry him. I will say I did not know it would last this long. We are going on 12 years this month in May, May 26th. And it blows my mind how long we've been together. I'm so proud of us. Don't get me wrong. We have our moments, but my husband has been amazing. He still to this day. He knows like, you know, when I'm having a hard day, he knows that, that I need that space. Or if he sees that I'm really struggling with my depression for a while, he'll talk to me about it. He'll bring it up. He'll ask me what I need. He makes sure I stay up on top of my like medication and make sure it doesn't run out and if it does he'll go pick it up for me. You know, just he's so amazing and again, marriage is not easy. It's it's work all the time. It's not something you can just like go about your day and things are just going to kind of figure themselves out. No, like marriage is communication and thank God that I have that with my husband. I really can talk to him about anything. Sometimes he drives me crazy and sometimes he doesn't respond the way I want him to respond. But he's a, he's a man and, you know, he does his absolute best to just completely validate everything that I say and listen to what I have to say. And, you know, I'm really lucky to have him and he just really is amazing and has changed my life. You know, like I said earlier, finally getting pregnant with my son Cruz was, I think, the, the point in my life when I really honestly was just grateful for my life. Just, I was finally what I wanted to be my entire life. I was finally a mom. I was just so happy. You know, I don't think I dealt with postpartum, but I definitely had depression, but it was because it was already there. But the thing that honestly helped me out of it was having my son, because again, it was, my dreams were coming true and everything was coming true. And we had a house and we had, you know, a son and we had, you know, all this stuff that I always dreamt of, but never thought I'd have especially with a relationship. I had always seen like my parents and toxic relationships and divorces and, you know, my family's almost everybody in my family has been divorced. And I just really wanted to break that, break that cycle of, you know, once I'm married, I'm married and I'm going to stay married. And we work every day, but we are still happy. And I honestly can say that I think that we love each other more today than we did 12 years ago. You know, a lot of people are asking me kind of where I'm at right now. You know, kind of I said earlier, mental health does not go away. Sexual assault and sexual abuse and physical abuse and all your past traumas don't go away. The difference is I've learned to heal from them. I've learned to cope with them. Do I still have flashbacks? Absolutely. Do I still have nightmares? Absolutely. Do I still have anxiety and depression? Absolutely. But I deal with it and I cope with it and I follow the things that I need to follow to deal with it and get through it. Yes, sometimes it takes a couple weeks, sometimes it takes a couple months to pull up, to pull myself out. But I do and I ask for help and that's what that's the key right there. Go to therapy, talk to your doctor, do whatever you feel like you need to do to heal and to get through these dark times. You know, I wasn't on any, not one medication until two years ago. Two years ago, you know, I'll talk later about my stepfather in a later episode, but he was released from prison and it hit me in the stomach like a ton of bricks. I honestly remember being devastated about how bad it was affecting me because I thought I had gotten through that. I thought I had healed. I thought everything was better. And I went to rehab for two years. So, you know, what's, how is this still coming up? Problem is I didn't continue with anything. I didn't continue with my medication. I didn't continue with my therapy. I didn't continue with any of the steps that I needed to take to stay on top of my recovery. And so when my stepdad was released, I didn't know how to handle that. All this shit that was in my past that I had kind of swept under the rug to move on with my life had all like just been shaken out in front of me and I had no control over it. I mean, I lost my shit for about over about a year. I can honestly say it's been about a year now that I've been in a pretty good place, but about the whole year before that, maybe a year and a half, it was rough and it makes me emotional because A couple of times I wanted to end my life and suicide was on top of my head. Self-harm was on my head. You know, all the stuff that I had dealt with was back in my head. My eating disorder again was back in full force. Like, Just all this toxic stuff that I had gotten out of my life because of my past was back. You know, that's my biggest thing for all of you who are in recovery or are just barely starting it or are, you know, they think that they're at the end of it and they're in a good place now. That's amazing that you're in a good place, but stay on top of it because one of these days it's going to sneak up on you. And when it does, it's going to hit you so much harder than you ever expected. You know, I, I knew that he was going to one day be released. Like I always knew that. And I always feared that. But when it actually happened, I was in such shock of knowing that I could literally walk down the street and see him at any time. Just so many things that triggered me from smells to, I mean, even still, like I can't drive past a certain location in Utah because every time I do, I remember that that something happened there. I can't walk in a camping trailer without being triggered. Um, I can't smell beer without being triggered, which is super hard because like my husband loves beer and things like that. But like when he drinks beer, honestly, I can't kiss him that night. I can't hug him. I can't really be close to him. Not because I'm judging him drinking beer, because honestly, I don't care that he does drink it, but the smell of it and being around me and breathing on me when we're sleeping and him smelling like that is really hard for me. Luckily, you know, I've told him that and I've expressed my feelings about that and how it triggers me and you know he's really respectable and when he does drink he understands I don't want to be very close just because that's hard there's things that are going to trigger you and it's okay and there's things that are going to come up that you thought you had forgotten about and it's okay you know there's things that honestly I didn't even remember until two years ago until we were kind of in my therapy session and it all kind of came about and even still there's some things that I've talked about that I don't even remember talking about my disassociation will kick in when I'm in full protective mode um I definitely have more control of it now, over it now I can count on one hand how many times it's happened since I was I don't know at least 18 and it's been these last couple years and it was when I was in therapy um you know, I would just kind of black out and I would have these dissociation episodes. And, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, to admit that. And even right now getting choked up, it's really hard. Um, it's really hard to admit that he still can have that little bit of that control over me. But here's the thing. As soon as that started happening, I put my foot down and I was like, no, I am going to do what I have to do to fight. I am not gonna, he already took my childhood. He already fucked up my childhood. I'm not letting him take my adulthood and my family, the time with my family, the time with my kids. My kids are only one, you know, young one time. I can't get any of this time back with them. And I don't want to be in a depressed, emotional, messed up state because of this man who decided to destroy my life 15 years ago. And that's what gets me through it now. And, you know, but like I said, it doesn't go away. But what I do now is when I do start having that anxiety or, you know, I just actually found out some news about my stepdad yesterday and, you know, I just have to be like, you know what, that's his life. That's his own shit. You know, I can't control anything that he does. You know, my fear has always been when he gets out that he's going to hurt somebody else, that he's going to hurt another little girl it's so hard for me to, to kind of fathom and comprehend. And I just can't. Um, but you know, I find, you know, a therapist told me one time I have no control over him. I did what I could. And it is now the justice systems, like their deal to deal with what happens with him. I did my part. I said what I needed to say. I told him what I needed to tell him. Yes. There were some things I left out because I didn't know at the time, but I still said enough The thing is, is when I had his parole hearing, I wrote a letter and I read it I read it in front of him. And that, when I tell the story about how that whole thing went down and when he was released and everything, I'll give details about all of that. But that made me realize that day how powerless he is now. He's not as big as I remember him. He's not as scary as I remember him. You know, he was just this, this man. I felt sorry for him not because I give a shit, but because I feel sorry that this is the life he's chosen. And the thing is, is it's something that I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to continue to fight for the rest of my life. It's going to come up. It's not going to come up in the same way, but it's going to keep coming up. It's going to keep coming up and there's going to be times where it's not even going to bother me. And even most of the time now, I tell my story on a regular basis. To You know, I go and I talk at events and I do things like that. And most of the time, It's like telling a story. It's like talking about, telling a tragic story about a girl I used to know. Then there's other times where I, those visions and those like memories really just like envision in my head and it makes me sick to my stomach and I remember what happened and I feel what happened and it's super hard and triggering, but I grow from it every single time. Yeah, I'm in a good place now. I have two beautiful children that I didn't, was not supposed to have. You know, that's the thing. I had to eventually get my tubes tied after I had my daughter because the doctors were finally like, you cannot do this again. Your body cannot handle it. If you do this again, you will die or your child will die. And I couldn't do that to my kids that I have now. So for me, I had to make that decision to tie my to get my tubes tied. My husband and I made that together. But again, here I am having these kids. I had these two beautiful kids that I didn't even think I was going to ever have. And I wasn't supposed to have. I have a marriage that I'm comfortable with. I'm not abused. I'm not put down. I'm loved and I'm cherished and I'm appreciated for everything that I do. You know, I have a house, I have a car and I have a career, you know, I'm a crisis counselor now, a crisis specialist now. And I go and talk to these women that have just been raped or that have just been assaulted or have just been, and I help them through that there. And this is why my podcast is called Candle in a Dark Room because When it was the darkest of dark, I did not see or think any of this would ever happen to me. You know, people say when they're younger, oh, when I grow up, I want to be this, or I hope one day I have a family, I hope one day I have this and a dog and, you know, all this stuff. I honestly can tell you guys, I did not think I was going to live past 20 years old. I visioned all the time my family finding me dead, whether... It was self-inflicted or somebody, you know, I just had a feeling always that I wasn't going to be here that long and it was wrong because here I am. And not only am I here, but I'm like mentally here, like I embracing my life and I'm living my life the best, you know, the best I can. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to be that light as much as I can for people who can't see that light right now. That little gl- glimpse of light that I saw got me through everything I got through. I had God on my side to get me through the things I did. And if you don't believe in, in that, then that's fine. Whatever you feel the need to get you through this, believe in it and believe in it big and believe in it str- like strongly with everything you have, because that is what's going to get you into it, you know, get you through all of this. I have to constantly just remind myself how lucky I am to be alive, how lucky I am he didn't kill me. You know, I could have went down so many wrong paths, but I didn't because I had that glimpse of light shining through somehow. If I can be that for one boy or girl to get through what they're going through, then my, then my goals have been made because that's all I want in this. And I believe that that's why I went through what I went through. I don't personally believe that God put me through it so I could change people and help people, but I believe when it happened, he used that to turn it around into something good. And it really is just beauty from ashes. You know, I just want to be that hope for you. So if you guys have questions, please follow my Facebook page, Candle in a Dark Room. Follow my Instagram page, Candle in a Dark Room. I'm going to start doing lives and doing Q&As and answering, you know, as much as I can, you know, I know people have a lot of questions that I haven't answered and there will be other episodes like about, you know, the addiction and about my eating disorder and about my traumatic pregnancies and things like that. But I want to do specific episodes on those things because I know there's such big topics that people deal with every single day. Like I said, follow my, my social media pages because I'm going to do so many things on there that I want everybody to be involved in and be up to date with things. I'm also going to be hosting an event soon. I'm not going to tell you much more than that right now because it's still in the works, but you know, I'm going to do it. And when I do, I want, I want people to come. I want people to be involved. If you are being abused or you know, someone who is contact me. I read my messages. I read all of my comments, contact me, and I can give you the resources for you that you need as best as I can. I can't heal you and I can't take your pain away because believe me, if I could, I would. Because I would never want anybody to go through what I went through. But I can hold your hand and help you through it. So thank you guys for listening today. I just wanted to kind of finish that part of my story. Um, Again, I'm going to have Nick come on here and do... Episode where he kind of tells his side of the story about when he first met me and kind of what his reactions are to what happened to me and how he was how he's dealt with that. I think it's important as a significant other of somebody who's been abused to listen to that because it's something that you'll have to deal with in your marriage for sure. I'm also going to have members of my family who have been you know affected by my abuse. I'm going to have you know I have a celebrity guest coming on. I have so many the amazing things coming up. And if you have a story, something really that you want to share with the world that you think is going to be beneficial to somebody message me, just keep following along guys. I appreciate the love and support, and I will talk to you soon.